You're listening to the Vineyard Milwaukee podcast. For more information about Vineyard Milwaukee Church, visit vineyardmilwaukee.com. Now here's this week's message. Hi, I'm Mark Johnson. Good morning, church. I want to reiterate that welcome to you, uh, those of you who are in the church building, as well as those of you who are uh, watching our live stream at home now and the recorded version later. I'm here with today's message, the Sabbath, God's love language. And this is going to be fun. I am so excited about this topic. When our son Cole was about four years old, he handed down some uh, wise advice to my wife Carol and I. Advice can come from interesting places, even from a four-year-old. Little Coley ambled up to Carol and I and asked us, Do you know what's important? What's that, Coley? We responded. Knowing your friends' names and believing in God. He informed us very confidently. It's hard to argue with little Coley's advice. Let's look at that first part, knowing your friends' names. Knowing people's names is important because people naturally have a need to be acknowledged. More than that, we have a need to be seen, heard, and understood. In short, we humans have a need to be known. Even our our little babies who are with us today have a need to be known. Real human intimacy and relationships comes from investing time. Time together. I'm going to share some examples with you from the Wayback Machine. When I was about 20 years old, I drove from Minnesota to Alabama with my little sister. She was only 10 at the time. And I thought I knew my little sister. I certainly loved her. I remember when my mom and my stepdad brought her home from the hospital. But during our 18 hours of driving from Duluth, Minnesota to Gunnersville, Alabama, time in a little Mazda GLC, which was a little tin can of a car, I really got to know my kid sister like I had never gotten to know her before. It was through time together. Through that time, we got to really know each other. And you know what? We've been very close ever since. When I was about 24 years old, I I told you way back, Machine, I was uh, still in college at 24. Long story. I applied for a summer work in Duluth, uh, Minnesota, at a happening and hip place called Grandma's Saloon in Delhi. It was the hot spot in town. I'm looking for summer work, and I was interviewed by the hiring manager, a guy named Pete King. He needed cocktail waiters and bouncers. Based on my first interview with Pete, he said he was leaning toward bouncer for me, seriously, (laughs) because he was doubting that I had the gregarious, super friendly personality that was needed to be a successful cocktail waiter. Considering that I was about five foot nine and only about 145 pounds soaking wet at that time, 
I was pretty sure that I wasn't really bouncer material. And I was just a little bit insulted that Pete saw me as a, a bouncer, not a waiter. But I knew that I had the personality to be a great cocktail waiter, to rake in tons of tips. So I convinced old Pete to give me a chance. After a few months that summer of watching me in action, <clears throat> Pete admitted that he was wrong about me, and he actually asked me to train in new waiters because I was just really good at that job. Well, what happened over that summer? What happened is that Pete got to know me through a ton of time spent together at work. So getting to know our fellow humans requires time and attention. Well, church, Jesus wants us to know him. Do you know Jesus? We use a lot of words and concepts to describe Jesus, and they're all good. Savior, Redeemer, the Lion, the Lamb, Teacher, Father, Papa, Friend, and more. They're all good. But do you know Jesus? Let us pray. Papa God, Please come. Please come through your Holy Spirit. Come for those of us here in this room. Fill us with your presence. Please come to those at home watching our live stream. God, for those of us watching this message later, please come for them. And dear Lord, help us to hear from you. I ask, dear Lord, that each person could just feel your presence, receive your guidance, receive your love. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's look at some scripture. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. From the book of Matthew. How did Simon know the identity of Jesus? Through our Father in heaven, through God. Yes, getting to know Jesus requires us to intentionally reach out to God. And that means we take the time to turn our attention to God. How do we know this as truth? Not because I'm telling you. We know this because we do what we always do in the Vineyard Church. 
as followers of Christ, we look to him as our example, as our teacher, our mentor, our leader here at the vineyard when we want to know what to do, what to believe, how to act. We look at what Jesus did, and then we do that. In the Bible, we read about Jesus performing miracles. And when Jesus healed the sick and word spread of this miracle worker, hordes of people came to hear what he had to say. How did Jesus respond? Did he hire roadies and go on tour? Did he sign a huge book deal? Did he go on Oprah Winfrey's show and give an epic interview? No, he didn't do any of those things. Let's look at scripture from the book of Luke. Yet when the word spread about him all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses, Jesus withdrew to lonely places and prayed. No tour, no book deal, no Oprah interview. Instead, Jesus broke away from the crowds, broke away from the demands of his work as savior and healer, broke away from the fame and notoriety he withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus intentionally made time and space to talk to his papa, God. And in the book of Matthew, we read about Jesus performing a miracle by feeding 5,000 men plus myriad women and children with only five loaves of bread and two fish that he miraculously multiplied into more than enough food. After performing this miracle, Jesus did not stick around for dessert, did not stick around to hear accolades and applause for the miracle that he'd performed. Instead, we're told that he immediately did this from Matthew. After he had dismissed them, he went up to a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. Again, Jesus understood the necessity of getting away to sit in the presence of God. Intimate time with his Father God his, is how Jesus filled up his tank. Alone with God is where Jesus received his instruction. Folks, one of the things that I adore about our church is that we can be real with each other here. And I'm being real with you today. One of the things that I've learned in my faith journey is that I don't need more Mark. I need more God. I reach out to God quite often. One of the ways that I do this in prayer is in prayer, and, and prayer is good. I pray long, I sometimes pray short. One of my favorite go-to prayers that I learned in this church is, Holy Spirit, come. Rebecca prayed that 
prayer earlier. I pray that often when I'm at work. Currently, my job is as a grief therapist at Children's Wisconsin um, in the big hospital complex. I'm there with a, a 10 month, well, I'm 10 months into a two-year bereavement fellowship. Obviously, it's tough work working with parents whose children have died. In my office, next to my computer, I wrote HSC, or Holy Spirit Come, in bold letters on a post-it note. Because I need, to reply, I need to rely and lean on that prayer so often. Prayer is good. Church community is good. And it warms my heart to see so many of you gathered here today. Reading scripture is good. However, none of those things replace intimate time with God. Let's look at a short Bible passage from the book of James. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Yes, come near to your papa, and he will come near to you. Like I said, I, I need more God, not more Mark. I'm guessing each of you need more God, too. Switching gears a bit, how many of you here today are familiar with the five love languages? Lots of hands raised. If you take the five love languages quiz, you can find out how you prefer to be loved. Words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. From what the Bible tells us, I believe that God's love language is quality time. And I believe that Jesus understood that, and that's precisely why he went to lonely places to pray. God wants quality time with you. I want to offer you four practical tips for sharing quality time with God. These tips are from the book, Beautiful Resistance by John Tyson. In chapter three of his book, Tyson makes a strong case for observing the Sabbath. Before we get to those four tips, let's look at that word Sabbath. Being real with you again, I am reluctant to use old-timey churchy words like Sabbath because I believe that the church needs to be relevant and accessible for anybody who walks through the door. And that makes me wary of terms that sound like church speak. What is the Sabbath exactly? Let's break it down. In a traditional sense, it's a day of rest. The first day of Sabbath, historically, was the day of rest that God took after taking six days to create the, the world, the universe, to breathe existence into everything, including mankind. For an explanation of Sabbath, we look to Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. 
Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Is the word Sabbath just a churchy, old-timey word? Is the Sabbath a dusty old concept? Oh, no. It's absolutely more than that. The Sabbath is a very real, very needed, countercultural concept that is uber-relevant in today's world. Sabbath is a way to resist culture's pull toward exhaustion and burnout by intentionally setting aside quality time for God and turning our attention toward him. Let's look at Tyson's four practical tips for practicing the Sabbath by investing in quality time with God. Tyson calls these the four movements of Jesus' rest. And like all good authors, he practices alliteration here with a bunch of R's. <laughs> First, Tyson advises us to resist work. For many of us in America, that is a tough concept. For a long time now, many Americans have been addicted to busy. I've been on this earth for more than 58 years, and I can remember back in my work life in the early 1990s, for some reason I was very aware of this, that everyone I encountered remarked about how busy they were. Frank, how are you? Busy! How are you, Joe? I'm super busy. Susie, how are you? I'm the busiest! It was just a badge of honor. And I think we can knowingly laugh about that because things haven't changed one bit. In fact, Tyson, who published his book just last year in 2020, cites this fact, and I quote, no large country in the world as productive as the United States averages more work per year, end quote. And all this work, all this busyness is ratcheting up stress levels and adversely affecting our physical and our mental health. And that is a fact. Numerous studies support this. So the first tip for sharing quality time with God is to resist work on the Sabbath. To eke out some time each week that's not work. I told you this stuff is countercultural. The second slide. Oh, 
let's let's actually look at some of uh, Tyson's words um, about resisting work before we move on to number two. The Sabbath is marked not just by what we do, but what we abstain from. The center of this is ceasing from our work, putting a boundary in place, and stopping our work have tremendous spiritual, psychological, and emotional benefits. We remember we are not moved, we are moved not for what we do, but for who we are. All right. Secondly, Tyson makes a point about rest and restoration. He says two things must be challenged for rest to begin. The first trap is the mistaken idea that relaxation is the same thing as rest. The other trap that must be confronted is using the Sabbath as just a day off. Tyson goes on to state that our souls are rarely restored through entertainment. Let's look again at the example that Jesus sets for us, because that's what we do at the vineyard. What did Jesus do? Jesus often resort, uh, re uh, retreated to lonely places and prayed. I feel pretty safe in making this wager. Jesus prefers getting quiet and praying to God over binge-watching Netflix, playing video games, or watching YouTube and TikTok videos. Tyson states that simple relaxation, though good, does not do deep enough work, does not do soul work. So what are we to do? What does quality time with God look like? We need to learn the skill of resting in God. Spiritually, physically, emotionally, and socially. Folks, you need to learn the skill of spiritual rest. Instead of striving and doing for God, you need to just enjoy his good gifts to you. You need to physically rest. Sleep deeply. Delight your senses. Release stress and recover from the pace of modern life. You need to rest emotionally. Let your guard down and be yourself before God. Be known and loved by him. You need to rest intellectually. Stop trying to figure out this corrupt world of ours and the conflict du jour in the news. Instead, feast on the truths of our faith. The truths of our faith. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. Truth. Through him, all things are possible. Truth. Jesus died for your sins that you can have eternal life. Lastly, you need social rest. Take a break from needing to be on and impress acquaintances and strangers. 
both face-to-face and in social media. Enjoy acceptance and love from your Papa God. Climb up on his lap and bask in his love. And also bask in the love of those you trust, beloved family and friends. Next, moving on to point three, Tyson really gets to the heart of the matter. Remembering our true identities. During your Sabbath time, ask your Savior, Jesus, who do you say I am? Remember, Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am? Turn that around. Jesus, who do you say I am? In the words of A.J. Swoboda, Sabbath is a scheduled weekly reminder that we are not what we do. Rather, we are who we are loved by. In Tyson's words, on the Sabbath, we embrace our God-given identity as children dearly beloved by God. We don't have to achieve success, make a difference for God, or change the world. We simply enjoy being with him. We nurture our truest sense of identity and let the rest just fall away. The weekly time with Jesus tempers our ungodly ambition and enables us to embrace who we really are. One more time, the weekly time with Jesus tempers our ungodly ambition and enables us to embrace who we really are. Lastly, point number four, Tyson urges us to revel to find joy in God's goodness. Reveling in God's goodness. In a culture that seeks to numb us with senseless pleasure, we must recover the wonder of godly delight. Here, Tyson implores us to view the Sabbath as a festival of joy. Take joy in God's presence. Take joy in being God's creation. Feast on God's favor. Eat the dessert. Laugh till it hurts. Feast on friendship. It's one of my favorite pastors likes to say, don't be one of those Christians who puckers up and just clenches their teeth and, and worships God. Worship God with joy. He delights in you. Embrace that. You are his beloved sons and daughters. You get to climb up on your papa's lap and, and just bask in that. That's reason for joy. In closing, where are you at with Sabbath? I'll suggest this. If 
for whatever reason, you are in a season of life when you cannot set aside one entire day for Sabbath every week, do this. Put your Sabbath on training wheels and set aside what you can each week. Intentionally schedule a half day, a few hours, one hour, and then follow Tyson's four pointers and make your time with God count. Folks, God wants quality time with you. He thirsts for it. And how incredible is that? The creator of the universe, the creator of all, wants real relationship with you. You are designed for intimacy with him. So I, I just urge you, I implore you, resist our culture's pull toward exhaustion and burnout by intentionally setting aside some intimate quality time for your God who loves and adores you. Your life will be better for it. Thank you.